Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. And with those words, Jesus closes this sermon. As we've been studying this, we've been looking at how do we practice the way of Jesus. And a few weeks ago, we saw that the foundation to that really is receiving the love of Jesus. If you remember, Michael Sullivan was with us and he said, I'm gonna ask you a question and this is really important. Will you receive the love that Jesus has for you? Jesus loves you like crazy. Will you receive that love? That's the foundation to practicing the way of Jesus. Last week, we saw a number of places where we can be uh, deceived along the way that can discourage us, that can distract us, that can get us off track, off target of really building our lives in the way of Jesus. That was last week, and today we're gonna continue looking at this. Now, Jesus is using this metaphor of a house as kind of a picture of your life. For the last several teachings, he's been using uh, different imagery to talk about our lives. We saw uh, that he used the idea, the imagery of a fruitful life, like a life that's just filled with fruit, if you could put that picture up there. I tried to get pictures for all the visual people in the room, but I, I want you to look at those cherries. I love cherries. Uh, I, I want you to look at those cherries and just think about your life, whether you're 15 or 55 or 85, wherever you are in the journey. We see that Jesus' desire is to work his love and his grace in your life, that your life might be fruitful, that it might be sweet, that it might be abundant, that you might look at your life and be like, man, I have lived a fruitful life. Just take a moment just to, wow, that's God's desire for you and for me. He wants to bless us and build us and grow us like that. We saw another image that Jesus used was a life filled with treasure, with good treasure. And I want to expand your view of just, not just, we just think often just materialistically, like what this means for our bank account. I, I want, Jesus is talking about something much broader and deeper than just kind of reducing it down to some money in the bank. But Jesus wants your life, he wants to work in your life that it would be filled with good treasure. Just think of the pause and just breathe that in. Wow, I think that's probably what we all want, right? That's what you're wanting, that's what I'm wanting. He's using the image here of the teaching we're reading about a house, right? That your life would be a well-built house. That it would be strong, that it would be solid, that it would stand the tests of time. When, when hard times come and they come for all of us, that you would have a place to stand, a place to draw strength from, a life marked by wisdom and goodness. He wants to build your house, your life like that. Another image that he uses in this teaching in Matthew, the same kind of sermon Matthew's recording it, but Jesus uses this image that I wanted to share with you. Uh, he said in Matthew 7, he said, enter through the narrow gate, 
For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I got a little road to life right here. Jesus wants to lead you and lead me on the road to life. And we're not just talking about like eternal life that goes on and on, although it does encompass that, but the the words used here are a full life. Life as it's meant to be lived, life filled with the very life of God in you. When God created you, you living out this dream that he created you with and showing off his glory. That's what Jesus wants for you. Man, that is really exciting. I just been thinking about this all week, thinking about this this morning. I'm just like, man, I'm overcome by the goodness of God. Just pause and think about it. It doesn't mean that all life is going to be easy. It doesn't mean that everything is going to work out like you thought it was going to work out. Everything is going to be just come together and look at my perfect life. Life is not like that. But in the midst of the the pain and the trials and the difficulties of life, if we look at Jesus' disciples, they experience great suffering. They experience great trials. Many of them were martyred for their faith. They weren't necessarily rich or, or famous. But when you look at each one of their lives as they practiced the way of Jesus, at the end of their lives, they were marked by love. They were marked by goodness. They were marked by a generosity of spirit, a purity of heart, a vibrant relationship with God, and they left a legacy that's still impacting the world today. So I'm talking about this. It's not like, oh, Jesus wants to give me an easy life. You and I both know that's not going to happen. But in the midst of the trials of life, Jesus wants to work in your life to produce fruit to produce treasure, to produce kind of this solid house or this pathway of life. And that's what we're we're going for. Jesus gives us in verse 47, he gives us the pathway to life, the pathway to fruitfulness, the pathway to treasure, the pathway to a well-built house. Look at that verse with me, Luke 6, 47. Jesus says, for everyone who comes to me Here's my words, and I highlight it for you. Puts them into practice. Puts the words of Jesus into practice, to practice the way of Jesus. They're the ones that experience this well-built house. And we talked about last week, it's not that God is saying, hey, if you don't do what I say, I'm gonna come and smack over your house. I'm gonna be the angry toddler that throws a fit and knocks over the Legos, I'm going to be the angry toddler that, you know, takes the ball and goes home. That's not who Jesus is, right? This isn't like a vindictive thing, do my way or else, right? Jesus is trying to save us from destroying ourselves. He's trying to save us because you know you and you know me, like on our own, we will destroy ourselves, right? And Jesus is trying to help us and lead us to life. And it's practicing his way that's like, oh, I was going to blow my whole life up over here uh, 37 times before Monday at 5 a.m., right? And I need help. I need a shepherd. I need a leader. I need a king. So do you. That's where he wants to lead us. So today we're going to look at this idea of practice. Several years ago, uh, I coached one of my sons in soccer, and I kind of stumbled into being a soccer coach. I played a couple seasons of soccer as a kid, but I don't understand soccer at all. I mean, I got the idea that you're supposed to, 
use your feet and not your hands unless you're the goalie and you're trying to kick it in the goal. But I don't understand offsides. I don't understand the positions. I can't watch the World Cup. I don't know how you guys do it. It's so long and the final score is like one to zero. I mean, I, I'm just like, wow, this is entertainment. I mean, it's just put me to sleep. I, I, so I'm not a soccer guy, but there wasn't a coach for the team. And so I'm like, well, I guess I'll be the coach. I, you know, it's four-year-olds. I, I think I can pull this off. So we're getting ready. And, and then they say, oh, yeah, and you're not just doing the games. You're doing a practice. So I was like, oh, practice? Um, I, I had no idea. What do you do at soccer practice? Like, I knew we should practice. I knew that would help us in the game. I knew all the parents were expecting us to practice. In fact, one time when I canceled practice, it was like 105. I mean, I was like, I don't know that four-year-olds should be running around in 105-degree heat. I got parents that were angry at me. They were like, no. We plan on this activity. You're taking care of our kid for an hour. Like, I know that we needed to practice. I just didn't know what to do. I was like, what do you do at soccer practice, you know, other than send the kids to run around the park in 105 degree heat over and over, four years old, probably not a good idea. And so the league, they gave me a blueprint. They gave me a manual that I could just follow the drills and it was like, oh, here's how you can run a soccer practice. Now, I was doing that, just to be honest, I was looking for and hoping that we had kind of the one freak of nature kid that you wonder if they're really the same age as everyone else, <laughs> that if all goes well, they'll just dominate the game, your team will win, you'll feel good, and maybe your kid will score a goal in the season or something. But that's the beauty of team sports, right? So that's what I was looking for. But we're doing all these drills at practice, and I realized I needed the drills to know, like, what do you, I got the idea of practice, but what do you do? Uh, I, I coached same, same son's basketball team, and I'm more familiar with basketball than soccer. So when it came time for practice, I was like, oh, I've been through a lot of basketball practice. I know some things we could do, but I found myself on YouTube, like, like searching around, watching kid practice videos, trying to come up with drills. Now, why do I share this with you? Because I realize there are many of us in the room that you uh, were like me as a soccer coach, only just put Jesus in there instead of soccer, right? I remember when I first started walking with Jesus, I'm like, I don't know what, what practice the way. Well, like, I have no idea. Read my Bible. I mean, that's about all that I knew. And I needed someone to show me, well, here's how you practice the way. Here's some things that you can do. You can incorporate in your lives, rhythms, that you can build that will help you build your life on the firm foundation of Jesus. And some of you may have been walking with Jesus for a long time and you're kind of like me as the basketball coach. You're like, yeah, I'm familiar with this. But it, we never move beyond going back to the basics. We never move beyond, oh yeah, I got this. If you get in that place, like, watch out. I remember in college talking to a buddy who said he'd read the whole Bible, and so he's ready to move on to something else. I was like, wow, you might be a little delusional here. Like, we don't move on from the basics. And so these ideas of practice that I'm going to share with you are going to be good refreshers. They're going to be good reminders, and none of them are stop at a shallow place. No one's like, oh, check that off. Got prayer, check that off. No, they're like thousands and thousands of miles of depth that we can dive down deep into. So as we get going on, well, how, if I want to take Jesus up on his leadership and his offer, how do I practice the way? How do I do this? What do, what do I do at this said practice, Zach? Uh, I want to share with you a thought as we get going that's going to guide each practice that I give you, each kind of rhythm that I give you. And it's this quote that I've been thinking about a lot. 
says, there is no formation without repetition. There is no formation without repetition. And behind this quote, you'll see the Grand Canyon. And I've never been to the Grand Canyon. Anybody here been to the Grand Canyon? I just hear, I had a buddy that just got back, said it was breathtaking. I mean, just, wow. So I looked up, how is the Grand Canyon formed? Most kind of scientists, I'm not a scientist, so don't send me an email if you disagree with this. I just, here's what Google told me. Uh, most scientists believe that the Grand Canyon was carved beginning five to six million years ago by the Colorado River. That five to six million years ago, the Colorado River rolling along over time, not, not a year, not a decade, not even a hundred years, but over time and time and time, carved that, formed that. There's no formation without repetition. So when we're talking about forming our lives in the way of Jesus, when we're talking about building our lives, when we're talking about practicing the way, the first place that we need to start is the reminder, or maybe for the first time for some of us, there's no formation without repetition. There's no quick fix of just like, boom, got it, move on. These are things that we want to repeat. The secret uh, that I wanted to ask you, just as we start talking about this, is what is forming you? What is forming you? What's the river's that are running in your life that are forming you. Everyone is being formed by something. Every one of us, our lives will be formed by the rhythms and the practices of our life. What would you say is the rhythm or the practice or the river that's forming you? So I wanna give you six rhythms, six practices that are for life, meaning lifelong, but they also lead to life. I wanna encourage you to take notes today, to write these down. I'm gonna try and go slower than I normally do. It doesn't mean the sermon will be longer, so thank you for that. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna try and talk slower because I've gotten feedback. Sometimes, Zach, you're just talking too fast, so I apologize. I wanna go slow. I wanna encourage you to write these down because what I wanna ask you to do is when you go to lunch today or when you sit down with a friend this week or whatever, I want you to talk about, man, where am I at with these rhythms? Maybe you're like, man, I'm doing good in these three. And you know what? This one is one I want to, I feel like God wants me to incorporate into my life. So I want you to look at these and then use these for conversation with someone in your life that you guys could talk about it together. If you're married, talk about it with your spouse kind of getting to the turn of the year with fall coming up. Schedules are going to start filling up. So we want to take a step back and say, hey, are we living from our priorities, right? If you're single, you're married, you're a parent, these are important. Okay, so I'm going to go slow. I'm going to give you six. I'm going to give you all six at the beginning. So you can write them down, and then we'll go back through them one by one. Practice number one is to be formed by the gospel. Practice number one, kind of first rhythm, first river you want running in your life so to speak, is to be formed by the gospel. We'll come back to what does that mean. Number two is loving well. Second kind of rhythm, practice for life, 
is loving well. Third one is being a community of prayer. Being a community of prayer. Fourth one is being disciples who make disciples. I'm going slower. Fifth one is giving generously. And the sixth one is reaching the lost. So I'm giving you six practices that, that Jesus lived these. His disciples lived these uh, for thousands of years. Followers of Jesus have lived these. Like we're not the first people to follow Jesus. And so we have a lot uh, of saints that have gone before that we can learn from. And these are tried and true practices that applied over time will bear fruit, will build your life into that house. So let's start with number one. Practice number one is to be formed by the gospel. Everyone is being formed by something. Everyone is being formed by a story in their lives that they're believing, this is who I am, this is what life is all about. I was thinking about a family member that I had that because of uh, the family that he grew up in, uh, his, his parents just had a lot of problems. He decided, I'm not the type of person that should have kids. I don't want to pass on kind of my family baggage to kids. Now, I know this family member. He's awesome. He's a joy. He went on to be a, uh, a teacher and really invested in kids. I mean, just he was so fun to be around. I was, I was like, why, why have you not done that? I found out he just, there was a story that he was believing, that he wasn't the type of person that should have kids, so he never did. That story formed him. What story is forming you? Everyone is being formed by a story. It may be a message about your career, or about relationships, or about the purpose of life, or who you are. Everyone's being formed by a story. The pathway to life is to let yourself be formed by the gospel, the story of God. In humanity, not a fictional story, the true story of God in humanity, the story of Jesus. Romans 1.16 says this, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Simply this, that God created you and he created me and made us in his image that we turn from God in our sin. We say, we don't want you to be our king. We don't want you to be our creator. We want to do life on our own terms. The fruit of that choice has destroyed many lives, including our own. But God, in his mercy, didn't leave us to ourselves. He came in Jesus out of his great love, and he gave himself for us, sacrificed on the cross, raised on the third day to give you and me forgiveness of sin, a new hope, a new life, a new family, a new purpose. Wow. If you let that truth redefine who you are and shape who you are, you are on the pathway to building a well-built life, my friends. Will you let yourself be formed by the gospel? So what exactly does that mean? Okay, what do, what do I do, Zach? I, I want that. Here we go. We practice the way being formed by the gospel, by belonging to Jesus and belonging to a local church. This gives us the deep joy of being formed by the gospel. What do I mean by that? Well, the first step to being formed by the gospel is receiving Jesus, is repenting of your sin, repenting of going your own way and say, Jesus, I'm not Lord, you are Lord. 
And Jesus, I want to follow you and I need your forgiveness and I need your new life and I receive it today. Right? If you haven't received Jesus, man, I want to give you the opportunity. After the service, come forward to our prayer and prophetic team. Or if you're like, I'm not a people person, just fill out that next step card and we'll follow up with you digitally. And so you won't have to interact that much with people, but we want to help you. Right? That's where we start. Have you received Jesus? If not, man, great place to start. It's the best decision you will ever make. And I can introduce you to 100 some odd people in this room that would say, I agree. So we receive Jesus, we belong to Jesus, and we belong to a local church. When you receive Jesus, you're brought not just into a relationship, a living relationship with God, but you're brought into the family of God, the church. And this family is really big, like really, really big. And it's, it spans over time and over nations. In fact, the next time someone asks you how big your church is, tell them 2.2 billion people. Wow. That's a big church. Who's your pastor? T.D. Jakes? No, Jesus. <laughs> right? We, when we belong to Jesus, we're brought into the global, historic, universal church of people throughout time, different nations who have said, Jesus, Lord, like you and me. And we found ourselves rooted there. The Bible talks a lot about marriage. It talks a lot about family, like our, our, our nuclear families. But it talks more than all of that about our spiritual family that we're adopted into. But the Bible always challenges you and it challenges me to take that kind of invisible, huge, uh, mind-blowing reality and localize it, particularize it, put names and faces on it. That's what a local church, like here in your local neighborhood, that's what a local church does. And so if you, if you do that, if you say, okay, I'm gonna plant myself in Jesus, I'm gonna plant myself in the life of the local church, over time, that river is going to form you Amen. in the gospel. You're going to hear, uh, you know, take communion. You're going to be reminded, oh yeah, this is what Jesus did for me. We're going to sing songs like, I build my life on your love. Oh yeah, yeah, that's what I want to be about. You're going to have someone preach the Bible to you and be like, yes, right? We're going to celebrate baptism. Oh yes, death to life. I got it. Right? You're going to be formed over time to live into this new identity that you have, this new calling, this new hope, this good news. That's where we start. So maybe that's your step. Maybe you need to join the church. Uh, number two, second practice, loving well. Loving well. Jesus said in John 13, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So Jesus tells his disciples that the way that you love one another, like the way we love our brothers and sisters in Christ is going to be the witness to the world. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciple if you love one another. Our love for one another within the church is a testimony to the world because you have people from all different backgrounds, all different ages, all different political views, education views, financial, all this stuff brought together in Christ and loving one another. Okay, so second rhythm that you want to think about, how is this in my life? How am I loving my brothers and sisters in Christ? How is that a rhythm that I'm planting in my life, a river that I'm just saying, Colorado River, river of loving well, just run over me. How are we doing that? Run over you in the best sense of the term. Um, 
We practice the way of loving well by investing in a life group. Life groups are our name for these kind of small group communities. I'm always looking for a better name. If you've got one, uh, you know, life group's fairly vague, send it to me. But for now, life group, right? Small group of people gathering together to practice the way of Jesus. And what this does is it roots us. When we invest in that group, it roots us in a community of believers, like-minded people who are saying, hey, we wanna follow Jesus, who, can, who we can build life-giving relationships loving, lasting relationships with. It's where we can love one another well. Life group is not a meeting, although it does meet. It's not a program, although it does have intentional elements. It's really a community of people that you can plant your life with and you can practice loving well in that group. And as you do that over time, season in and season out, you will find your life being formed by that experiencing the life of Jesus as we love one another well. But it doesn't just stop with loving within the church, it expands beyond the church. That the love that we have for one another is meant to overflow into our neighborhoods, our schools, our places of work, our city. It's meant to overflow into the poor. And so that group, as we invest there, then that gives us uh, encouragement, inspiration, power, that we love well in our neighborhoods, that we live with integrity, that we practice hospitality and generosity, that we love well in our city. And so we want to love one another. We want to love believers in Christ. And we want that to fuel us as we love people outside of the community of faith. Does that make sense? So loving well is rhythm number two. Rhythm number three, being a community of prayer. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. As we've been studying through Luke, We've seen over and over and over again that Jesus is, just has this rhythm of prayer in his life. And you and I, if we will learn to cultivate rhythms of prayer in our lives, we will experience life. This isn't a simple just kind of, oh, okay, kind of know how to pray. I've had two personal revivals in the last three or four months by learning new forms of prayer that I've been doing this for 20 years I learned new things that you might be like, oh, that's simple, but I've, I've given myself to this and I've learned new things that have brought new life. One of them is we learned the Lord's Prayer as a family. This, uh, I mean, I knew the Lord's Prayer. I taught my kids. We taught our kids the Lord's Prayer. And we've been saying it every night at dinner. And you know the part where it says, forgive us our sins as we forgive one another's? Whew. That has been working on me because every time I'm tempted just to hold on to being bitter at someone, to being frustrated about someone, it's like, oh yeah, forgive Forgive, okay. Daily bread, oh man, God, I'm trusting you with this, right? Simple thing, but it just transforms us. What's the rhythm of prayer in your life? So I wanna give you, here's something you can do. Uh, everyone's like, Zach, you're too abstract. I need practical, here's practical. We practice the way, we practice being a community of prayer by being a regular part of our Sunday worship service. You're already there. Step one, you're at a prayer meeting today. You're starting your week with prayer. We're worshiping, we're praying, we're reading the word, we're learning from it. You're starting your week with prayer. Way to go. Thumbs up. You guys are good. And I want to cultivate rhythms of prayer and Sabbath in my own personal life. We do a number of prayer meetings around here. We can teach you how to pray on your own, but we want you to be with rhythms of prayer. This practice helps us to be consistent and fruitful in our relationship with God. 
So if you're like, man, I feel hot and then cold, I'm on again, then off again, I'll get going with the Lord and then I'll kind of blip out for three or four months, just, just make it a commitment to come here on Sunday morning, to start your week in the place of prayer. Week in, week out, whether you feel like it or not, whether the Cowboys have the early game or not, you just, you're just here because now you're starting your week, like the beginning of your week, rather than just kind of rolling in from the weekend, you're like, man, I started with the Lord. I started with prayer. And over time, that will build transformational fruit in your life. Okay, number four, we're, we're rolling quickly here. Number four, disciples who make disciples. Jesus said to his disciples, go and make disciples. So we're not just called to be disciples, we are, but we're also called to be a part of making disciples. So how do we do that? We practice the way by being disciples who make disciples in the home, campus, neighborhoods, and workplaces that God has called us to serve. Specifically, we do this through investing in a serve team. These teams create the environment and relationships to grow in our calling and invest in others to do the same. So we have a number of serve teams as a church where you can say, hey, I want to make disciples. Number of roles, varying levels of commitment that you can jump in. You can lead in a life group. You can say, hey, I need a life group in my neighborhood. Like my neighborhood needs a life group. We can help you. You, you can minister to children. You can greet people and, and make disciples by welcoming people in. Like there's a number of different roles. But when you step into one of those things, what you're saying is I'm putting myself in the environment, an intentional environment to grow in my own calling, my own spiritual gifts is being a disciple maker and to help others do the same. It, it's not always going to be fun. Like the goal of this one is not, oh, that was just awesome watching three-year-olds and whatever. No. The goal of this is to say, hey, I'm living for more than just myself. And I, and I want to help someone else. Like someone has helped me. I want to help someone else grow in practicing the way of Jesus. So if you've not been on a serve team, sign up for one as we're getting ready this fall because it's going to help you practice the way. And doing that over time will leave the largest wake of impact in your life. It's unbelievable. I was with, uh, we were at a conference this week and Christina and I saw a uh, a girl that we got to be a part of helping lead to the Lord and beginning her kind of beginning stage of discipleship. It's probably 20 years ago now. And she now is, is a church planner. And I mean, I just remember where she was. I'm like, wow, you're in a different part of the world telling people about Jesus. I haven't seen you in a long time, but that commitment 20 years ago to trying to make disciples is bearing fruit. It's amazing. I want to invite you into the same. Number five, giving generously. Proverbs 3 says this, honor the Lord with your wealth. That's called the tithe with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. We are to be people who practice generosity to God and to one another. So we practice the way by giving generously to God and to others. You might be like, Zach, I don't know how to give to God. Does he have a Venmo account? Like, what are you talking about? We give to God through our tithe to the local church. And we give to other people causes ministries as God leads. This practice gives the peace of honoring God with our finances and developing a generous spirit. I showed you the video a couple weeks of Derek Carr talking about starting with a scholarship check and tithing off the $700 a month. If you didn't see it, just Google it. He's the quarterback for the Raiders. It's amazing. And then he signs a $126 million contract. So he's like, I'm just going to tithe like I always have but I'm really excited about how this money is gonna help a lot of people. Like his, he, he honored God with his money. 
And his spirit was cultivated over time to have a generous spirit. That's so different than the consumer mentality that we're fed all day long. To think of our resources in a different way. That practice will bear fruit in your life. Number six, reaching the lost. This is the last one. Jesus said the son of man, that's him, came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus wants people to know him. Did you know that? Jesus wants to save people. Jesus believes that every person on the planet needs him. I agree with Jesus, right? So we want to help people come to know Jesus who don't know him or really passionate about it. We want to press in to that. People need Jesus. I was listening to a podcast called Startup. It's by, made by Gimlet Media. And they talk about, somebody likes it. We'll talk podcasts later. I like that. Uh, you know, they talk about different businesses and how they start up, except this season they're focusing on church planning. So interesting. And you can tell they don't have a, a church really favorable opinion of the church and, and not a ton of experience. So I was listening to the first one. I was like, you guys don't understand what this is all about. They're talking about acquiring new users and, and your base and, you know, all this stuff. I'm like, no, no, no. Church is not about like acquiring power and like some settlers of Catan. No, the church is about love. We want people to know the love of Jesus. We want people to come to Jesus. We want to invite people to church. We want to, we want to pray for them, not because we need like more people in here, but we believe it actually makes a difference in people's lives. Think about your own story. How has Jesus made a difference in your life? Man, for me, I'm just like, oh my gosh, where would I be without you? Unbelievable. And so we want people to experience the same thing. And if you're like, man, my, my, my walk with God is kind of like cornflakes, Zach. It's just bland. I just, I don't know. I, I, I read my Bible. I had a guy tell me this. He's like, I, I pray in the morning. I read my Bible. I go to church on Sunday and I go to work. And I don't know. It's just kind of boring. You want to know how to put spice? You want to turn your cornflakes into cinnamon toast crunch? <laughs> just step out in faith. Start reaching out to someone that doesn't know Jesus. They'll ask you a question, then you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know, I'm gonna melt down. It's okay. They might yell at you, it's happening, it's not a big deal. It's okay. But what you'll see is that your faith will come alive. You'll begin to see the riches that you have in Jesus. You'll see God do things like this girl that I told you about. Her story of coming to Christ would blow your mind. It still blows my mind 20 years later, and I lived it. It's amazing. And if we'll step into this, whew, Cinnamon Toast Crunch all around. So we practice the way of Jesus by sharing the gospel in word and deed with those in our lives who don't know Christ, inviting people in our lives to experience church community. You don't have to do this alone. You can invite them in and working as a church family to plant other churches. This is why if you're like, why is people always talking about missions and church planting? We believe that starting new churches is one of the best ways to help people who don't know Jesus come to know Jesus. One of the best ways, proven. So we want to be about planting churches all around the world and here in Dallas. And we want to train you, actually, to go and plant a church. That's a different talk. Okay, so those are our six practices for life. I'm so fired up right now. And I'm just like, man. So write these down. We're going to close in just a minute. I'll stop talking. Um, but write these down. Go to lunch today. Consider, hey, I probably can't do all, start all these. If I'm at ground zero, I can't probably implement all these at the same time. Maybe you're an overachiever and you can. But maybe you can say, hey, I feel like this is a good step for me. And you take a step this semester. Praise God. And the next semester, you take another step and so on and so forth. Maybe you've been doing them a little bit, but you're like, oh, this is encouragement just to re-up, especially as we head into the fall. I've just, I want to I prioritize. 
this, because I want you to build your life on Jesus. I want you to have that fruitful life. I want you to have that life with good treasure. I believe this is your calling. I want you to have that well-built life, that pathway to life in your life. And Jesus wants that too. And if we will let these rhythms form us, we will experience the life that Jesus offers. I want to invite you to stand. I'm going to pray for you as we close. And I'm going to share a few words, uh, prophetic words, um, that we're believing for, we want to minister to today. So number one, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, our prayer and prophetic team will be available down at the front. We would love to help you take that step. If you, uh, uh, the, the words that we had for today are, this is an interesting one, I feel like uh, that someone feels kind of like they're a turtle moving slowly back and forth over the same piece of land. But over time, its path got deeper and deeper. And I feel like the Lord said, there's someone here who feels like they're moving slowly through life and not going anywhere. But God says to press into him and you will see the depth in your walk in him. It's time to press in and shift perspective. Amen. So if that's you, we want to minister to you. Uh, and if you have a stomach virus, we want to pray specifically for people with stomach sickness uh, here down in just a minute. So if the prayer and prophetic team, if you guys can come forward, Jesus, we love you. I love every person in this room, God. Thank you that you are inviting us to practice your way and to build fruitful lives, to build well-built lives, to build the way of life. And I pray that you would help us all to let these rhythms form us and shape us, Lord, into the people that you want us to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. You're dismissed. God bless you. We will see you next week. If you need prayer, come forward.